0: Chapter Ten of *Sylvian Bruno*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Star. *Sylvian Bruno* by Lewis Carroll. Chapter Ten, The Other Professor. We were looking for you cried Sylvie in a tone of great relief. We do want you so much you cannot think. What is it, dear children? the Professor asked, beaming on them with a very different look from what Uggug ever got from him. We want you to speak to the gardener for us, Sylvie said, as she and Bruno took the old man's hands and led him into the hall. He's ever so unkind, Bruno mournfully added. They's all unkind to us. Now that father's gone, the lion were much nicer. But uh, you must explain to me, please, the professor said with an anxious look. Which is the lion and uh, which is the gardener? It's most important not to get two such animals confused together, and one's very liable to do it in their case, both having mouths, you know. "'Does you always confuse these two animals together?' Bruno asked. "'Pretty often, I'm afraid,' the professor candidly confessed. "'No, for instance, there's the rabbit hutch and uh, the hall clock,' the professor pointed them out. "'One gets a little confused with them, uh, both having doors, you know. Uh, "'Now, only yesterday, would you believe it, I put some lettuces into the clock and tried to wind up the rabbit.' It did the rabbit go after who did it up said bruno the professor clasped his hands on the top of his head and groaned go i should think it did go why it's gone "'And wherever it's got to, that's what I cannot find out. "'I've done my best. "'I've read all the article rabbit in the Great Dictionary. "'Come in!' "'Only the tailor, sir, with your little bill,' "'said a meek voice outside the door. Ah well, I can soon settle his business.' The professor said to the children. If you'll just uh, wait wait a minute, Uh, how much is it this year, my man? The tailor had come in while he was speaking. It's been doubling so many years, you see, the tailor replied a little gruffly. And I think I'd like the money now. It's two thousand pound it is. Oh, that's nothing, the Professor carelessly remarked, feeling in his pocket, as if he always carried at least that amount about with him. But uh, wouldn't you like to wait uh, just another year and make it four thousand? Just think how rich you'd be! Why, uh, you might be king if you liked. I don't know as I care about being a king, the man said thoughtfully, but it uh, it do sound a powerful side of money. Um, well, I think I'll wait. Of course you will, said the professor. There's good sense in you, I see. Uh, good day to you, my man will you ever have to pay him that four thousand pounds?' Sylvie asked as the door closed on the departing creditor. "'Never, my child,' the professor replied emphatically. "'He'll go on doubling it till he dies. You see, it's always worthwhile waiting another year to get twice as much money, "'And now, what would you like to do, my little friends? Uh, "'Oh, shall I take you to see the other professor? Uh, "'This would be an excellent opportunity for our visit. he said to himself, glancing at his watch. "'He generally takes a short rest of fourteen minutes and a half about this time.' "'Bruno hastily went round to Sylvie.' who was standing on the other side of the professor, and put his hand into hers. "'I think we'd like to go,' he said doubtfully. "'Only please let's all go together. It's best to be on the safe side, you know.' "'Why, you talk as if you were Sylvie,' exclaimed the professor. "'I know I did,' Bruno replied very humbly. "'I quite forgot it I wasn't, Sylvie, only I thought he might be rather fierce.' The professor laughed a jolly laugh. (laughs) "'Oh, he's quite tame,' he said. He never bites. Uh, uh, he's only a little, uh, uh, a little dreamy, you know. He took hold of Bruno's other hand and led the children down a long passage I had never noticed before. Not that there was anything remarkable in that. I was constantly coming on new rooms and passages in that mysterious palace and very seldom succeeded in finding the old ones again. Near the end of the passage, the professor stopped. "'This is his room,' he said, pointing to the solid wall. "'We cannot get in through there,' Bruno exclaimed. Sylvie said nothing till she had carefully examined whether the wall opened anywhere." Then she laughed merrily. (laughs) You're playing us a trick, you dear old thing, she said. There's no door here. There isn't any door to the room, said the professor. We shall have to climb in at the window. So we went into the garden and soon found the window of the other professor's room. It was a ground-floor window, and stood invitingly open. The professor first lifted the two children in, and then he and I climbed in after them. The other professor was seated at a table, with a large book open before him, on which his forehead was resting. He had clasped his arms round the book, and was snoring heavily. He usually reads like that, the professor remarked, when the book's very interesting, and uh, then sometimes it's very difficult to get him to attend. This seemed to be one of the difficult times. The professor lifted him up once or twice and shook him violently, but he always returned to his book the moment he was let go of and showed, by his heavy breathing, that the book was as interesting as ever. "'How dreamy he is!' the professor exclaimed. "'He must have got to a very interesting part of the book.' And he rained quite a shower of thumps on the other professor's back, shouting, "'Hoy! Hoy!' all the time. Uh, "'Isn't it wonderful that he should be so dreamy?' he said to Bruno. "'If he's always as sleepy as dates, Bruno remarked. "'Of uh, course he's dreamy.' "'But uh, what are we to do?' said the professor. "'You see, he's quite wrapped up in the book.' Mm, "'Suppose who shuts the book?' Bruno suggested.' "'That's it!' cried the delighted professor. "'Of course, that'll do it!' And he shut up the book so quickly that he caught the other professor's nose between the leaves and gave it a severe pinch. The other professor instantly rose to his feet and carried the book away to the end of the room where he put it back in its place in the bookcase." "'I've been reading for eighteen hours and three quarters,' he said. "'And now I shall rest for fourteen minutes and a half. "'Is the lecture all ready?' "'Very nearly,' the professor humbly replied. I shall ask you to give me a hint or two. Uh, There will be a few little difficulties. And uh, a banquet, uh, I think you said? Oh, yes. The banquet comes first, of course. Uh, People never enjoy abstract science, you know, when they're ravenous with hunger. "'And uh, then there's the fancy dress ball. Uh, "'There'll be lots of entertainment.' "'Where will the ball come in?' said the other professor. Uh, "'I think uh, it had better come at the beginning of the banquet. Uh, "'It brings people together so nicely, you know.' yes that's the right order first the meeting then the eating then the treating for uh, i'm sure any lecture you give us will be a treat said the other professor who had been standing with his back to us all this time occupying himself in taking the books out one by one and turning them upside down an easel with a blackboard on it stood near him and every time he turned a book upside down he made a mark on the board with a piece of chalk and uh, as to the pig tail, uh, which you have so kindly promised to give us uh, the professor went on thoughtfully rubbing his chin I think that had uh, better come at the end of the banquet, then people can listen to it uh, quietly." "'Shall I sing it?' the other professor asked with a smile of delight. Um, "'If you can,' the professor replied cautiously, "'let me try.' said the other professor, seating himself at the pianoforte. For the sake of argument, uh, let us assume that it begins on A-flat. And he struck the note in question. La-la-la! I think that's within an octave of it. He struck the note again, and appealed to Bruno, who was standing at his side. Did I sing it like that, my child? No, it didn't, Bruno replied with great decision. It were more like a duck. Uh, Single notes are apt to have that effect. Uh, uh, The other professor said with a sigh. Let me try a, a whole verse. There was a pig that sat alone Beside a ruined pump By day and night he made his moan It would have stirred a heart of stone To see him wring his hooves and groan Because he could not jump. Would you call that a tune, Professor? "'he asked when he had finished. "'The professor considered a little. "'Well,' uh, he said at last, "'some of the notes are the same as others, "'and and some are different, uh, "'but I should hardly call it a tune.' "'Let me try it a bit uh, by myself,' "'said the other professor, "'and he began touching the notes here and there "'and humming to himself like an angry bluebottle.' "'How do you like his singing?' the professor asked the children in a low voice. "'It isn't very beautiful,' Sylvie said hesitatingly. "'It's very extremely ugly,' Bruno said without any hesitation at all. "'All extremes are bad,' the professor said very gravely. For instance, uh, sobriety is a very good thing when practised in moderation, but even sobriety, when carried to an extreme, has its disadvantages. What are its disadvantages was the question that rose in my mind, and as usual Bruno asked it for me. "'What are its lizard bandages?' "'Well, uh, this is one of them,' said the professor. "'When a man's tipsy, uh, that's one extreme, you know, "'he sees one thing as two. (laughs) "'But um, when he's extremely sober, uh, "'that's the other extreme, "'he sees two things as one.' It, it, it's equally inconvenient, whichever happens. What does convenient' mean? Bruno whispered to Sylvie. The difference between convenient and inconvenient is best explained by an example, said the other professor, who had overheard the question if you'll just think over any poem that contains the two words such as the professor put his hands over his ears with a look of dismay if you once let him begin a poem he said to sylvie he'll never leave off again he never does did he ever begin a poem and not leave off again Sylvie inquired. "'Three times,' said the professor. Bruno raised himself on tiptoe till his lips were on a level with Sylvie's ear. "'What became of them three poems?' he whispered. "'Is he saying them all now?' "'Hush!' said Sylvie. "'The other professor is speaking.' "'I'll say it very quick,' murmured the other professor with downcast eyes and melancholy voice, which contrasted oddly with his face, as he had forgotten to leave off smiling. "'At least it wasn't exactly a smile,' as Sylvie said afterwards. "'It looked as if his mouth was made that shape.' "'Go on, then,' said the professor what must be must be remember that sylvie whispered to bruno it's a very good rule for whenever you hurt yourself and it's a very good rule for whenever i make a noise said the saucy little fellow so you remember it too miss "'Whatever do you mean?' said Sylvie, trying to frown, a thing she never managed particularly well. "'Orphans and orphans,' said Bruno, "'haven't you told me there mustn't be so much noise, Bruno? "'When I've told it, oo, there must—' Why, there isn't no rules at all about there mustn't, but oo never believes me. As if anyone could believe you, you wicked, wicked boy, said Sylvie. The words were severe enough. But I am of the opinion that when you are really anxious to impress a criminal with the sense of his guilt, you ought not to pronounce the sentence with your lips quite close to his cheek, since a kiss at the end of it, however accidental, weakens the effect terribly. End of chapter 10 The Other Professor Recording by John Starr www.ourmanstar.com.